Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 3 on the difference between correcting punishments and judgments, and we'll learn that the Lord Jesus Christ was the seed of the woman because he was crucified through weakness. Now, this message is available at friendshipwithgod.org for free listening and download, friendshipwithgod.org, or also available at itunes.com by searching for the Friendship with God podcast. Now, if you're enjoying Tom Cantor's teaching on Friendship with God as you're driving or listening from home or downloading and listening to these messages on the go, and you're growing in the knowledge of God and your walk with God, we'd like you to start or continue supporting this Old Testament Bible teaching radio program. Now, many don't teach on the Old Testament, but Tom Cantor's ability to communicate the Old Testament and modern-day expressions is amazing, and he's a master teacher, empowering and encouraging Christians, as well as teaching the lost Jewish people about their God and Messiah. So if you enjoy the Friendship with God radio program, and the teachings of Tom Cantor, we want to encourage you to become a monthly supporter, even a one-time supporter of this Bible teaching radio program. And for a gift of any amount, we'll send you Tom Cantor's testimony on DVD and in a booklet form for supporting the Friendship with God radio program. To get your life story testimony of Tom Cantor in a booklet form and a DVD, we'll send that to you for supporting the Friendship with God radio program. Just call us now or after the program at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Support the Friendship with God radio program, staying on the air on this station in your city, and receive Tom Cantor's life story on DVD and in a booklet form. Again, you can call us and support us at 800-247-3051, or you can go online to donate at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. We hope to hear from you. Now here's Tom Cantor teaching us from Genesis chapter 3 today on the difference between correcting punishments and judgments, and we'll learn that the Lord Jesus Christ was the seed of the woman because he was crucified through weakness. You pushed her off from here, and now we're going to make it so that you won't have the Redeemer that those codes speak of. You won't have the promised Messiah that was promised here unless you stay with her. Unless you stay with her. In other words, God was saying to Adam that he was going to make it so that Adam needed Eve. He needed Eve. And he needed to have Eve in order to have this be complete or have this very, very uh, essential, vital. So Adam heard God explain that there was going to be this war between Satan and man that would be unending. But once Adam heard about the seed of the woman, that was something. He didn't need to hear anything else. Because Adam knew, look, before my marriage, anything else, I need a rescuer. I need a savior from my sin. And that's going to come from the seed of the woman. So he didn't hear the seed of the man. He heard the seed of the woman. And then he heard God say there was going to be two wounds, two wounds here. First, there was going to be the serpent was going to be wounded by the heel of the Redeemer from the woman. See, that was Pilate when he put that nail in the crucifixion through his soldiers, through the heel of the Lord Jesus Christ, he was wounding the um, seed of the woman. But because the snake's position, all the snake can do is to strike up at the heel, see, which he did on the cross. But because of the man's position, because he stands over the snake, he has the ability to, bam! So because of the position, the advantageous position of the Lord Jesus Christ, he had the ability, 
that even though it was going to mean his death, which it did on the cross with the wounding of him, he nevertheless had, because of his position, the ability to stomp his foot down on the head of the serpent, which he did at the cross. Well, Adam heard God say, her seed. And that was a redirection of Adam back to Eve. And can you imagine if, you know, I mean, maybe he would have argued with God and said, excuse me, he says, uh, I heard you just say her seed. Don't you mean his seed? I mean, after all, you know, I'm supposed to rule over her. Shouldn't it be his seed? I mean, you know, she's the one who brought all the trouble. And uh, I just followed. But he said, no, her seed. Okay. So her seed, because God was saying, it's better, it's better, it's better. Trust me on this one, Adam. It's better. It's a whole lot better for your marriage, her seed. So Adam brought himself back to Eve because she was going to bring life. And he was dead. And he needed life. That's what happened. So in the same way, we as believers, we gather around the Lord Jesus Christ. In a sense, he's the center of humanity or he's the center of sane humanity that knows they need life because we gather around him and he gives us life. Okay? And so Adam gathers around, and that was a decision point for Adam, because he could have said, no, I'm not going to love her. No, I won't do it. But there is an indication in this chapter that Adam made a turnaround. You know what it is? Verse 20. Eve gets the privilege of being named three times by Adam. (laughs) First one's good, second one's bad, third one's good. That's a renaming, see, in verse 20. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. He understood that the life giver, the life restorer was going to come from her called her seed. And so he calls, he gives her this honor, this great honor. I mean, he didn't have to do that. Again, he could have said, women who need some, I don't need them. They're just not necessary. But God made it clear to Adam, without her, your redeemer doesn't come. So today, when everything is against marriage, everything is against marriage, this passage reminds us that God is for marriage, and God works toward restoration of broken marriage. You could hear the glass shatter in this chapter here of their marriage. You know, it was just like, oh, no, you know, this is terrible. But God did what he said in Deuteronomy 23, 5. He said, when he was dealing with Balaam, he says, God turned the curse into a blessing. Because the Lord thy God loved thee, he told Israel. This is what he's doing here too. Now, in Genesis 3.11, it says, God says, Hast thou eaten of the tree, wherever I command thee, thou shalt not eat it. Notice how God is working with Adam. And he's asking him a question, and we said before this, when God is asking him a question, it's not because God doesn't know. He knows already. But in the question, he's leading Adam. He's coaching Adam. He's putting the words in Adam's mouth so Adam gets to repentance. And notice in Genesis 3.13, when he says to the woman, uh, what is this that you've done? What is this that thou hast done? Again, he's leading Eve to repentance. He's coaching her. He's putting the words of confession in her mouth. And that's how he's leading her by a question. And he's leading Adam by a question. But when he comes to the serpent, what did God not do? He didn't have any questions. It was clear. He knew everything from the start. Anyway, no questions were asked there because he was not leading the serpent to repentance. And uh, he has no interest in leading the devil to repentance. And he doesn't ask him any questions. He already knows what he did. So the consequence for the serpent 
was that he should, from this point on, and we don't know how he walked before, but from this point on, he should move in a very devious way, like a snake, back and forth. He can't go forward without squirming this way and squirming that way. So he should be associated with deviousness, all right? Deception. And furthermore, it says that he should eat dust. Dust is always associated with death. You know, dust thou art, dust shall go. Dust is always associated with death. The Lord Jesus Christ said in Psalm twenty-two, fifteen, Thou hast brought me into the dust of death. Though he's associated, the serpent should be associated with death. Now, the consequence for Eve is pain during childbirth. Why? When she brings forth the baby, she's going to be painful. Eve, that's your fruit. That's your fruit. That's the baby. And because you took the fruit, and you shouldn't do that, and I'm leading you into repentance, so I'm making this that every time you have a baby, it's going to be painful for you, so that would be a good reminder for you that you went the wrong way by being independent from your husband and going after fruit that God told you not to. So that's going to be a safety for you. And furthermore, because it's going to make your husband so he rules over you or the head of your home, so that's going to also going to be a safety for you. See, what the point is this. These things that God told to Eve are not judgments. They're corrections. And there's a whole lot of difference between a correcting punishment and a cursed judgment. Why did he do this? Because he loves Eve. And he's setting it that way. The consequences for Adam, it's frustration. It's frustration with farming. It's frustration with with the weeds, the stinging nettles, literally what it says. And the hard work and the sweat of thy brow, it says actually sweat of your nose, because when you bend over, the sweat drops off your nose. It's very irritating that if you ever had that experience, I'm sweating right now. So sweat of thy brow. So to keep Adam looking to God and to keep him from doing what he did with Eve, getting convinced and looking to the earth for his satisfaction and looking to the earth for his ultimate enjoyment in life, God said, I'm going to make it frustrating for you on earth for what you get from the earth. That's going to be a safety for you, Adam, because that's going to keep your heart, like with Eve, in the direction of allegiance to God. See, that's the issue. That's why they took the fruit. Allegiance to God, see? So that was, that was what God did there. And again, correcting punishments to lead Adam to repentance and to keep him on the right track. Okay, but by contrast to those consequences for Eve and Adam, there was nothing good you could say about the consequences for the serpent. As a matter of fact, what one word is used by God when he judges the serpent that he didn't use for Adam and Eve in 14, Genesis 3, 14? Thou art cursed. Thou art cursed. See, he didn't say to Adam, thou art cursed. He said the ground's cursed. But thou art cursed, see? And that's a difference between correcting punishments and judgments. When we're like Adam and Eve and we sin against God, we experience correcting punishments. And we need to remember that the correcting punishments come because God loves us. That's what Solomon meant in Proverbs 3.12 when he said, For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, as even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. And all men God is correcting, and all men that are alive, God is punishing and seeking to bring them back. Uh, how, how How do you know that? Well, because of what it says... After death, that all changes because it says in Hebrews 9.27, it's appointed unto man once to die. And after that, the judgment. See, there's no hope after that. The Lord knoweth how, in 1 Peter 2.9, the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment. Okay, so verses 11, 12, 13 
God's questioning and man is answering. Come to verse 14, judgment of the serpent. Then you have the, the God questioning Adam and Eve. Now, there is something which occurs there. So we said 11, 12, and 13 is God questioning Adam and he's answering, right? And now 16, 17, and 18, what do we have there? We have God giving the correcting punishments for Adam and Eve. But there's one thing that comes before he gives the correcting punishments to Adam and Eve that's not present with the serpent. That's that little verse 15. 15 you don't have a, a 15-like verse coming before he, he goes to the serpent. This verse is a verse of hope. And it talks about her seed. Her seed is going to come and crush the head of the serpent. There's no, there's no hope. There's no hope verse that comes before the serpent, because of the serpent's judgment, see? And it comes just before man's punishments. And that's wonderful because that shows that in all the correcting punishments that God gives to men when they're alive, he has a vision of hope for them. He will have all men to be saved, 1 Timothy 2.4. He's not willing that any should perish, 2 Peter 3.9. But he's long-suffering. And then it says in Romans 2.4, he says, Despisest thou the riches of his goodness. What's the riches of his goodness? It's forbearance, it's long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. See? That's what God does. That's wonderful about God. Now, of all the names of the, for the Lord Jesus Christ, why would he call the Lord Jesus Christ in Genesis 3.15 her seed? Or as we say, the seed of the woman. I mean, this is the woman who first sinned. She was the most vulnerable. Set aside for a moment what we just talked about, Adam and Eve, to get the, their marriage back together. Just set that aside and ask the question, why did he say her seed? Why didn't he say his seed? Hey, look at how Peter, turn to Peter 3, 7. 1 Peter 3, 7. All right, 1 Peter 3, 7 says, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them, women, your wives, according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, as unto what? The weaker vessel. Weaker vessel. Being heirs together of the grace of life. So don't despise her for that but the weaker vessel. The woman is called the weaker vessel. The Bible calls the woman weaker compared to man. Weakness is not a sin. Weakness is a state. It's a condition. Instead of coming from the stronger one as the seed of the man, he's here from the weaker one, the seed of the woman, her seed. That's what it means when it says in Galatians 4.4, 4, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman. It says, weakness is not a sin, weakness is a state or condition. The title, the seed of the woman, is very important to us. Now, turn please to Hebrews 4.15. I want you to look at this verse, focus in on this verse, Hebrews 4.15. Okay. And notice three things in this verse. It says here, for we have not a high priest which cannot be, first thing to know is touched. Touched. Very personal. Number two, with the feeling, feeling of our infirmities, but was in, number three, all points, tempted like as we are. That touched part, that feeling part, pretty intimate. And we go around, we, we shake hands with everybody. In Japan, you don't touch people. Orthodox men, women, they don't touch, unless they're married. This is touched and is very, very important. So touched and feeling is very intimate. It's real up close and personal. All points means nothing was missing. 
It wasn't, it wasn't you know, like, like the, the high priest didn't say, all right, that's for you guys, but I'm God, so I take a pass here. Here's my exit, so my, my God exit, so you guys, you know. No, no, no. This last week, I had a pinched nerve in my lower back. And my first thought was, oh, okay, here it comes. Here's a lymphoma tumor back, you know. And, and, and so I went to the MRI, but it was a pinched nerve. I don't know if you ever had this kind of pain, this really, really intense pain, like gout, pinched nerves, you know. It's kind of like, a, it, it's like you, you go, I call it the ebb and tide. You know, you're like, uh, you know, it's kinda, it comes, and the pain comes, and you go, you bear, like that. And then it kind of subsides, and that's when you breathe. You get into shallow breaths, especially for me, because every time I take a deep breath, it hurt more. Anyway, so shallow breath, it was painful. And that's the ebb and tide. And I, and I, and I remember two years ago, when the spine tumor wrapped itself around the, the nerve, the spinal cord in the spine, and that was really smart. That, was, that hurt a lot, you know, for weeks, you know. That, and so I became an expert in pain. Anyway, and you know, I used to tell my wife, you know, sometimes I say, you know what pain does? It just wears you out. It just exhausts you. It's very, pain is very exhausting. And I remember back, Mike Hainer, before he went to heaven, died, and Pastor Jim before he died, and, and today my brother-in-law Ronnie is in the ICU ward in Akron, Ohio, and he doesn't have one live cell in his bone marrow. He's getting daily transfusions of platelets and blood to stay alive, and to keep him alive, and all of them, Ronnie and Pastor Jim and Mike, oh, I, what I remember about it, they got very weak, very, very weak. You know, that sh- I remember that shallow breathing and the scratchy voice and the, I got to rest right now, you know. And, and it just comes with an extreme weakness of dying. And I, and I watched them, and they got just too weak, and, and, you know, too weak to even recite the most familiar Bible verses. And I thought, you know, with all of our medical progress that we have today, you and I are very likely going to go through some prolonged illness and be kept alive longer and longer and longer, during which we are going to become weaker and weaker and weaker. And I, I just want to know, that's, I just want to know, that when, when they went through that weakness, when Ronnie is going through that weakness right now, when I'm going to go through, and you're going to go through that kind of weakness, and when we, we can't even recite John 3.16, and we're too weak to even do that, was the Lord Jesus Christ really touched with that level of weakness? With that kind of infirmity? Was he touched with a dying weakness? I mean, he's our high priest that knows the feelings of our weakness. And, and I just want to know, did he really help? Because Pastor Jim and Mike, because I can't tell, because they were getting weaker and weaker. Ronnie and so forth, and, and I can't tell. Did he help? Does he help? Will he help? See? Will he help because he has personal experience to that level of weakness? I just want to know. Just want to know. So turn to 2 Corinthians 13.4. 2 Corinthians 13.4 says... For though he was crucified, these are tremendous words for us, through weakness. He was crucified through weakness. Yet he liveth by the power of God. We also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. You know, when you look at Psalm 22, verses 14 through 16, you read these verses. I am poured out like water laceration pain from his back, loss of blood volume, feeling famished, that's weak. He says, all my joints, all my bones are out of joint. Dislocated joint pain, 
and the weakness that comes from the pain, that's weak. Heart is like wax. The pericardium, in his case, filled with water and blood because of trauma and shock, that's weak. He said, my heart was melted within me. Melted within me. The tachycardia, that's weakness in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. That's dehydration. That's weakness. And my tongue cleaves to my jaw. You can't even speak for the thirst. That's weakness. And thou hast brought me into the dust of death. That's weakness. Dogs assemble, compass me, the assembly of the wicked enclose me. They pierced my hands and my feet. That's blood loss and pain. That's weakness. Did he help Pastor Jim and Mike and others? Is he helping Ronnie right now? Will he help us when our turn comes? And will he help us? Yes. Why? Because he was the seed of the woman. He was the seed of the weaker one. He was the seed of weakness. He was the seed of the woman. Because he was the seed of the woman, 2 Corinthians 13, 4, he was crucified through weakness. You know, when they, when they told me two years ago that I had the incurable cancer, the non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and, 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 and it was treatable, but it was going to kill me, I just wanted to learn from God at that time how I should die. I want to learn how to die. So God, teach me how to die. And God's been showing me. And my goal in this class is, is to teach you what I continue to learn from God on how to die. Such a wonderful subject. Because it's very relevant to us. It really is. It's very relevant because, like Joseph told me, first day of chemo, such a comforting son, he says, Dad, we're all going to die. So, but that's true. We're all going to die. And we're going to find ourselves, especially as we get older, among those who are dying and who need to know how to die. So it's not only for us, it's for others as well. And the first thing we learn from this chapter on how to die is get the coat. Get the coat. The coat of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Make sure you're trusting in the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior from his sins. Take off the apron of your own fig leaves. Don't trust in your own works. And when you got the coat, just be content with the coat like the children of Israel were supposed to be content with the manna for 40 years. Be content with the coat and just say, I got the coat. I got the coat. That's all I need. Don't be like Lot's wife. Look back. You got the coat. I got the coat. That's the first thing. Second, realize that the Lord Jesus Christ from this chapter is the seed of the woman, which expresses weakness. So don't be afraid when it comes time to go through that dying weakness. He'll help you because he was the seed of the woman. He was tempted in all points like as we are. And, but it's because he was the seed of the woman that 2 Corinthians 13, 4 is true. He was crucified through weakness. Yet liveth by the power of God. And so the verse goes on to say, we also are weak, but we also shall live by him by the power of God. Okay, so there you go. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for helping us, Lord, and all of our, our needs, and especially the ones we don't even like to talk about. But nevertheless, you help us there too. And we thank you for that. We thank you for making the coats for Adam and Eve. We thank you for being, Lord Jesus, the seed of the woman, and all so that you could bring us through this, this life down here on earth, until one day we'll look back from heaven and we're going to say, Jesus did it all. All to him I owe. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. We hope you enjoyed Tom Cantor's teaching today from the book of Genesis. Tom Cantor has other materials that are available also at friendshipwithgod.org at our online bookstore, again at friendshipwithgod.org. Our resource of the month that Tom Cantor is offering, his book called Whosoever Will Versus Fatalism. And this book by Tom Cantor and this teaching will help you to understand what is fatalism or what is Calvinism or what is fatalistic Calvinism. And Tom Cantor will teach us, can a person resist God's will? And what are chosen and changed children according to the Bible? And did God predestinate or foreordain or allow people to just be created to die and go to hell? Now, this book from Tom Cantor called Whosoever Will Versus Fatalism will show us that we are all faced with a personal crisis of obedience, just as other people in the Bible were, like Joseph and even Eve. They both faced crises of obedience, and this book examines the character of God and His promises and compares them with the fatalistic teachings of Calvinism and provokes us with the question, what if God misled us or lied to us and didn't mean all or whosoever will? or that for God so loved the world. Tom Cantor will teach us what the Bible says truly about this topic. And the most eye-opening part of this book called Whosoever Will Versus Fatalism is that Tom Cantor himself was once a believer in fatalism, and he was a fatalistic Calvinist. Now, if you'd like a copy of this book called Whosoever Will Versus Fatalism from Tom Cantor, call us right now at 800 800- 247-3051. It's our resource of the month. It's our last week we're offering this at 800-247-3051. For a donation of $20 or more, we'll send you this book, Whosoever Will Versus Fatalism by Tom Cantor. And again, you'll be supporting this Bible teaching radio program. You can also go online to friendshipwithgod.org to order this book, or you can call us again at 800-247-3051. And we'd also like to encourage you to go online to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse or find Tom Cantor, Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries on Facebook and get the daily devotional verse there. So sign up online at friendshipwithgod.org or again, find Tom Cantor, Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries on Facebook. 